is it muted? Ah. Oh, okay. Turn it on again. I'll do it. Sorry there. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so thankful to be here, and uh, I'd like to spend a minute to give you a, a, some sense of where the title came from. Titles are really important to me. I don't know. I just love a title. It kind of helps steer my thoughts and stuff. And so this title, Discovering the Heart of Hope, it really comes from the words of Solomon. Uh, I know in the pulpit uh, some month ago we looked at uh, Solomon's words in Proverbs 4.23, such a familiar verse. Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it spring the issues of life. And that's where we, uh, Pastor Ed and I, meeting together, came up with this sense of discovering the heart. Uh, it's a metaphor, obviously, for this church. But from this heart of hope, which I pray we can begin to unco not uncover, that's not the right word, but just to understand great, greater in a greater manner, that we might understand the life that flows from this body of believers. So uh, that's, that's the intent in this message, and I pray that it's carried out. I'd like to uh, start this morning, actually, uh, and we're going to be looking at, obviously, mainly what is the character of this church. And I did want to make uh, one other mention, is that we may think that the character of the heart of Hope Community Bible Church is all centered in our pastor uh, and in our leadership team. And to a large extent, that is true. We are so thankful. I know every one of us are thankful for God's raising up this young man that we love in the Lord and we love his teaching and preaching. But I want to say that the heart of hope is you and the pastor and the elders. It's us living out what God's put in our hearts by his grace. It's the small groups that meet. It's the men's breakfast that meet. It's the work days that we have. It's the ladies that faithfully meet on Wednesday. All of these are a picture of the life that flows from the heart of Hope Community Bible Church. So I hope that all of this as we walk through uh, these weeks will bring encouragement to each of us as it certainly has to me. Well, I want to start uh, with uh, a, a little bit of a, a different picture, uh, an approach to this. And uh, well, before I do that, let me follow my slides here. Let me look, first of all, this is just giving you an overview of the sessions that we will have. Uh, today will be the first one, and there's two points in that, the unveiling of God's mystery, the church, and the second one is church membership at Hope. And you can see session two and session three will be the following weeks, and in session two we hope to really address the doctrines of biblical Christian faith and those doctrines that hope stands firmly on and rejoice in. And just to see what it looks like working out, living in the midst of those doctrines, living those doctrines out in our life. And then the third week, at least as we have scheduled, would be what does ministry at hope look like? And we're going to identify or in, intend to do that, the gifting of God's people. It's one of the most precious parts, I pray, comes through this is that when the Lord saves us wretched sinners, he gives each and every one of us a gift. And his intent in that is that these gifts might be knit together in the church that we might serve him, encourage uh, believers, and bring, as Pastor said so well, the gospel to the fallen world. So that's the organization. Uh, I guess this is where, uh, Peter, if we can have that next slide, of taking a little bit of a different view and I want to tell you that uh, it's been a little over two years ago when uh, my wife Tina and I came uh, to Arkansas and we were looking for a reformed church. And I had a list of six of those churches to look at. And we had attended all of them. And uh, somehow hope was on the bottom of my list. And I'm not sure why, but that's just where it fell. And so uh, uh, not implying that I'm some great saint in the Lord, but in all honesty, we just didn't find that we were being fed well uh, by these other churches. We didn't sense we were being led by the Spirit of God. And I've always loved looking at churches' doctrines on their websites. And Hope, this church, had a, had a phrase in 
their statement of faith under number 14 under creation. And I'd like to read that to you because over two years ago, this was the part of Hope's statement of faith that drew my attention to say this is a church worth looking into, at least from what my heart felt. Let me read what that statement says. It says, we, that being Hope, believe that man was created by a direct act of God and that all humans were present in Adam when he was created that new individuals in all their parts, body and soul, come into existence today, not by a continuing creation, but through the laws of propagation established by God. The reason I love that is that to me, what we see in all of God's creation, in the humanity of his creation, is that God indeed, indeed did create the first man and the first woman. But from that, union, God gave the ability to these human creatures to propagate. So what I have always seen and what I love because this statement clearly said it is that from Adam and Eve have come a sea of humanity. It has flown out now for some 6,000 human years. It's impossible to grasp how many have come from that. But every one of those of which we are a part have come from that union. And God in his providence, this is what is so glorious to me, God in his providence and his plan for his purposes, for his glory, has seen through that sea of humanity to bring about those purposes, to bring about his glory. And what I want to emphasize in looking at this briefly is to bring about this church. You see, it in, was in the title there, and I believe... When Phil read the benediction, I loved it. He read from Romans 16. And Paul makes this mention of the church being a mystery. That has always fascinated me that he would say that. In fact, I want to ask you if you turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and 3 and just keep your Bibles open there. We'll be looking at some verses soon that really speak to that. But let me walk down through this. So this sea of humanity, as we know, uh, we all... All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. As Pastor Ed said, spoke up so well this morning. The thing is, we all come in Adam. We are all in Adam. All humanity comes in Adam. And in Adam, all dies, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. It's only in Christ that all are made alive. But that's the issue, is all are sinful man going out. And I've got some verses up here from Isaiah 57 I love. And we always have to understand this, that while man is propagating throughout human history that God is exalted over all of that creation. I love Isaiah 57, 15, where Isaiah wrote, he said, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God is sovereign. He reigns. He fills eternity. He fills all of his creation. But in his place in eternity, he sees this sea of humanity flowing out. He speaks the end from the beginning. He knows all things. And in this, he has seen everyone that is here today or maybe watching online who has come to faith in Jesus Christ. Do you know what? He saw you and he loved you and he called you. And so the thing is, is in this working out of God's plan and purposes is to understand why and where we are today. And we come today to talk about his church and how it is in the provision of his timing that we're part of his church. The other point I make up here again is the words of Nebuchadnezzar after if we remember well from the book of Daniel and he had shaken his hand at the creator and said, I've done all these great things. And God humbled Nebuchadnezzar. And I love what he said after God restored him. He said, all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him what you have done. And it's what we see as we're seeing God working out these plan and purposes. And the next slide will show you, and it's just what I wanted to put up to give us a sense of this frame of time. And what I've shown up here, again, thinking of this sea of humanity, God's plan and purposes in choosing those that would serve him, is it's a thing that shows time, 
I believe, accurately from the time of creation to where we stand here today. And I've got up in the overhead uh, a couple of uh, points that I bring out. It has to do with uh, what we come to know as the dispensations of time. And dispensations is a theological system that recognizes age is ordained by God to order the affairs of man. And it's so interesting that from the creation to the flood, there were two dispensations that God set in place. The first was one of innocence. God dealt with his creatures at that time, Adam and Eve, originally from a standpoint of their innocence. They were not righteous before God. They could not always be in the presence of God, but they were without sin, without guilt. But righteousness is needed to ever be continually in the presence of God. So we see that, first of all, after they sinned, then there was a dispensation of conscience. I'm just going to go through this, and we're going to touch on this next week by God's grace. But it fascinates me how God looked over and governed these times. From the flood to Abraham was a time of government. It's when, if you remember, after the flood that God came and instituted government. He said, if a man takes another man's life, his life will be demanded of him. He sent in place other ordinances. It's the first time that we saw God in heaven, this is what fascinates me, set on earth his provisions, his law, his principles spoken out to man. And we see that that takes up 2,000 years. And we're coming to the place in the next segment of 2,000 years, it's the calling of Abraham to the time of Exodus. And Abraham was a man, if you think of this sea of sinful humanity, that God, because he reigns in eternity, he sees all these men and he called a man named Abram. He gave to this man Abram the great gift of faith to believe in what God has said. And he said to Abram, that great covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, he said, Abram, Abram, from you, I'm sorry, from you all the people of the earth will be blessed. And we see this great promise is this dispensation that God set in place. And so the thing is that we know well from biblical history is that from Abraham and Isaac came Jacob, and from Jacob came the 12 sons. From the 12 sons, that some 70 people entered, entered into Egypt, and after 400 some odd years at the Exodus, some 2 million people left Egypt. And they came under another man that God saw, a man that he would call, a man that he would give the great gift of faith to believe, a man that would be his servant on this earth, that man was Moses. To Moses, he gave the law, and now God does something different in time. He sets laws and provisions. We know the book of Leviticus, we who, I want to say, we love walking through there. It's always a chore to walk through there, but it's God's word, so we love the parts of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the things that give us the law. And so we see in that that Moses establishes this uh, body of people through which the law would hold them accountable to God and give them a picture to serve God and be honorable to God. We know, uh, I think about Phil this morning, I think read from Psalm 78 when the people of Israel were in the desert and they're not even believing in Jehovah anymore. They're not trusting because they're hungry and they're thirsty and one thing or another. We're all like that. But the law has been said in that and the law was really to show to man that there was nothing in man that could ever be pleasing to God because we would not keep his law. We're law breakers. We're not law keepers. And so we see at the end of this, and jumping again, just for the sake of time, is that what I have in this second segment is from Exodus, the time when they departed from Egypt, to Pentecost. And this is where we're going today. And it's 2,000 years, another 2,000 year span. But in Pentecost, you see, if we look back on God's promise to Abram, Abraham, the promise was that through the seed of Abraham would come a blessing to all the people. The problem was with the nation of Israel who came from the seed of Abraham, the problem was that the blessing that God would promise would always be through his Messiah. It would always be through his Redeemer. But we know that Israel rejected the Redeemer. And so it's a sense like God who is sovereign, who reigns over all, he had a plan in this. And you see, this is the plan. This is the mystery. It's what we are here 
about today. So if we go to the next slide, Peter, if you could go to that next one and look in Ephesians. And I want us to just understand, and again, this is the whole purpose in this introduction. And it's for me, when I think about it, to marvel that God had known a wretched sinner like myself, the same of every one of you that have come to faith in him. And in this sea of humanity, how many people did God see? How many people did God know everything about him? And not that there was anything to merit his grace or his mercy in any of those people, but for his plan and purposes, he would call them. He called the saints of old. He called Noah. He called Enoch. He called Abraham. He called Isaac and Jacob. He called Moses. We've seen that. And the truth is, is that now he calls and he begins a whole new program. And it's the program no longer under law. It's a program under grace. And it's the calling of an apostle named Paul. And who was Paul? An enemy to everything that Jesus Christ stood for. An enemy to Jesus' people. And God saved him for his purpose. And follow with me. Let's start, first of all, in Ephesians 3, 8 through 12. If you just follow in your Bible how amazing this is. And Paul writing, he says, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I want to back up for just a minute there. Because the truth was, in the Old Testament, under the time of Moses, these laws and these truths and God's blessings were only for the seed of Abraham. It wasn't that outsiders, the Gentiles, could not uh, come in to become of the faith of the Jews, but the blessing was through the Jews. And if you remember closely, I remember studying in the temple, and the place of the Gentiles was at the farthest court. They could not come into the inner court. And here Paul writes... After that third segment, we've been through 4,000 years of human history. We've been through God working in the lives of individuals. In those first 2,000 years, he called those to himself that he had chosen. Then he begins working through Israel, but now he's going to do an entirely new work. Let me read again. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, the grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. What Paul is saying here is this mystery that was unfolded some 2,000 years from where we are today was the church. And the purpose of that church was certainly, it, the church was loved of God from the, before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ came for the very specific reason to redeem the church. It's the particular redemption that we talk about in the doctrines of grace, that he came to this world to save and to rescue us, the church. And so we see in this, that for the very first time that these uh, God's working out and the evidence of the church is to the principalities in the heavenly places. What hope, Community Bible Church, how we serve the Lord, how we endeavor to glorify the Lord, it to this very day gives testimony to the principles that we've been bought, that we've been, we've been purchased by a price we can't even begin to comprehend, but that we're sold out to him to Jesus Christ. That's what ownership, that's what being participating in a church looks like, is that by God's grace, the, what the testimony that comes from us, who is the heart of hope, is to bring glory to our Redeemer and Savior. It's to draw people to Him. The second part in this is back in Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to read these quickly, just because to me they're so glorious. And it's verses 19 through 22. And let me just follow, and I apologize. I'm reading in my New King James, and I know that's not what I've got on the overheads. But. So verse 19, now therefore, Paul again, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the, the 
the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being fit together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Is that glorious? Is that not glorious, what God's done? The words that we read Paul wrote almost 2,000 years ago, those words speak of us. They speak of the church. They speak of the body of Christ. They speak of these stones. We're going to look at that later in 1 Peter, of the living stones that God's called from darkness into his glorious light. They speak of these stones being fit together, knit together. That's what the church is, and that's what hope is. That's what we are. I think we're ready. I want to get a hold of this, Lord. I want to see what you've done, what you've loved before the foundation of the world. You've loved us individually, but he's loved his church. Jesus said in John chapter 6, he says, All the Father has given to me will come to me, and I will lose not one. He's come to rescue the church, and I want to live in that church. I want to see the church bring glory to God. And I know you do too. So I think that's the picture of this. Well, with that, we're going to move to the next section here. And it may seem a little bit disjointed. I pray that's not the case. But uh, I just wanted to make that point about how precious, how precious each of you who have come to faith in Christ are certainly. It's as, it's as first of all, Peter said, but now then Pastor Ed said, we are the beloved. We are the ones. We're called out to be his own. And, and he set his heart toward us. But I want us now to kind of move from that point to see about the church and how precious it is. And again, to, to begin to build the characteristics of the church. So the very first thing in this is we'll look at, there's two points. And uh, after the two points, there's two subpoints. So the title of this is Church Membership at Hope, and um, what does it look like? And so these points are the very first one is the prerequisite for church membership. It's certainly that wonderful verse from Acts chapter 2. Uh, Luke writes, and the Lord added them day by day those that are being saved. So without question, the church, the body of Christ that we speak of is for those who it's real important with this. It, it, it's for those who have been, it's truly born again. If we're not born again, then we, we are, haven't been changed. If, if we haven't been born again, you see, if, we haven't, if a man or woman hasn't been born again, they are still in Adam. For 37 years of my life, I was in Adam. And I was lost. I was religious, and I put a few bucks in the, in the tillers. <laughs> but I was lost because I was in Adam. And I knew I was lost in my heart of hearts. We never could admit it. But then I came up to me and testified of Jesus Christ. Says, go away. I, I don't need that. I got my religion. But I want, to, I want everybody to understand, believers are those that have been born again. Membership in the body of Christ, in, in the church, requires that we are born again. The great testimony is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone who was in Adam is now in Christ, behold, they're a new creation. And old things are gone, and all things have become new. It's a testimony we should look in our life. Can I look in my life? Is there a mark in my life when I was old and lost, and then by grace, amazingly, I've been made new? And the old is gone, and for never to come back. So the number one thing, and so important for church membership, and I love, there's so many things about this church to God's glory and the leadership that we have here. I hope we all appreciate it. You see, when someone comes to Hope and says, I'm really interested in this church, I'd like to become a member. The thing that they do, what we love to do, is they come before our elders, and they give testimony of their new birth. And that is not to be critical of them. It's the, I know, I had served in that role in Texas in a church, and you'd have some people come in and their testimonies 
you just, it was so hard. I love our elders, and I appreciate what they go through because you'll hear testimonies, and you just won't be sure. And what we did was then we walk with that, with those people. We want to make sure they understand the gospel. But it's so important that we're able to give a testimony about Jesus Christ changing our life, and that is changing it from darkness into his marvelous kingdom. Well, the second point we'll look at uh, this morning concerning this church membership at Hope is why is church membership important? <laughs> I put this down, and you see I'm being honest today. I guess I should be. I remember even after coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and my salvation was very dramatic. It just, um, I was so lost, and then I was found. <laughs> and I didn't understand. I didn't know, I didn't know but the Bible, but I knew that I was different. And for 43 years, that has stayed. But in all I see, early on, my pastor could say, you know, you, we can have members. And I'm like, because I'm independent, and do I need to be a member? Why? Does that mean you want to put me on a roll? And da, da, da. So if anyone is here or maybe online and that's gone through your mind, I can testify that I was there. And what I've discovered, and I hope we, as we walk through this, really for me, the thing that changed my whole perspective on church membership, it was to come to love the heart of a pastor. It was to come to look for and to see the under-shepherd of Jesus Christ. And here we have, we have three elders here, and so each one of them serve very uniquely in that same role as pastors to us, as under-shepherds of Christ. And I wanted to see in the man that I would come and commit my life to. First of all, obviously, I want him to be so sold out for Jesus Christ. That's obvious. But I wanted him to be a student of the Word of God because I needed a teacher. <laughs> I needed someone to encourage me, instill in me the great truths. And over these 43 years, by God's grace, I look back and there's some pastors that, that, I, will, that I do cherish and as I do my pastor today. But I think it's so important that uh, we consider what is going to be the thing that will stir our hearts to want to come and to join with brothers and sisters in Christ and say, I commit to this body of believers because I believe the Spirit of God's led me to this body of believers. And I want to give all my heart to serving Christ and honoring Him. And I want to serve my elders here. I want to serve my deacons. I want to serve those that God's placed in leadership. So we're going to walk through this. I'm probably getting ahead of myself, so bear with me. But why is church leadership important? I just want to read a little bit of, uh, from what I've got in my notes here. To be clear, the universal church, the body of Christ, is composed of all true believers in Jesus Christ, and local churches are to be a microcosm of the universal church. All believers have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is most important. However, it's also important that they commit to a local church where they can utilize their spiritual gifting, give of their resources, serve others, and be accountable. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles, or trust you have them open. We're going to look, first of all, under point A. We're going to look at the biblical evidence for this. In my notes again, I said the Bible does not directly address the concept of formal church membership, but there are several passages that strongly imply its existence in the early church. And some of these are, and I'm going to read from the notes I think we have up here. If you want to turn to these scriptures, uh, I've got to four examples, and I think it's so important, again, if that question's ever crossed your mind, or you know someone, perhaps in Hope or, or, or another church, that have said, why do I need to be a member? Do you have to be a member of this church? Remember this picture that we have from God's word of this pattern of a church being knit together. The first one is that I have uh, 
is Paul delineates between those inside the church versus those outside the church. It's a very sobering account from the book of uh, 1 Corinthians that Paul has given us. And I said in 1 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul instructs Christians within the church how they were to deal with someone, this is important, within the church that was living like an unbeliever. And here's from 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 2. Paul writes, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this thing be removed from among you. That's so important. And it's not that Paul's instructing the church to send this man apart from them because he's an unbeliever, as Paul welcomed unbelievers to attend church where they could hear the gospel. We do the same. But because he was identified as a church member, a part of this body. In 1 Corinthians 5, 11 through 13, further on in that chapter, he says, but now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reveler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with, listen closely, for what have I, Apostle Paul, to do with judging outsiders? It is it not those inside the church whom you were to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. Paul very clearly speaks about those that are inside the church as, as a picture of the body as opposed to those who are outside the church. I don't know, I would hazard to guess that maybe we've all been possibly in the years of walking with the Lord, been in a body that has undertaken a spiritual discipline. It's a heart-wrenching thing. I've been in two churches, and every one of them, I remember so clearly, but I remember the reason that that was dealt with in that manner, these were, were two men, two situations, and they were set aside, set, because they were within the church, and they were bringing shame on the Lord Jesus Christ. See, if you're outside the church, even if you profess to be a Christian, a believer, and you live in immorality, well, God judges that. Do not be despised. Man reaps from what he sows, and so it's true with a believer. But that's not the role, not up to the leadership within the church to discipline that one. Do you see the picture? It's a picture of a unit. It's a picture of a body. It's a picture of those being inside versus those outside. Well, quickly, let me go through the other ones here uh, concerning, again, the evidence in God's word for the church, the qualification of overseers, 1 Timothy 3, 5 says of an overseer, uh, an, an elder, a pastor, for if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Here Paul compares the local church to a household or family. Is anyone a casual member of a family? No, membership is a family and is a very definite thing. And that's what Paul's instructing elders, that there's a household of God. Those are the ones he should look over. Uh, quickly again, uh, Paul's instruction to Ephesian elders from Acts 20, 28. Paul instructed the elders of the church of Ephesus, pray, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. How could they fulfill their responsibility as under-shepherds to all the flock? This is important, unless they knew who was part of the flock and who was not. Membership in the local church provides these means. I'm going to ask if you would to turn to 1 Peter. We were close to there not long ago. And to chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. I mentioned it earlier, but it's such the words are just uh, resonate within our hearts. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, 
Let me start up in chapter 2 in the beginning just to get the context here. And, of course, Peter writing said, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Paul's, Peter's writing to those, if indeed you have, if you come to faith in Christ. And listen, verse 4 and 5. Coming to him, that is to our Redeemer, as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Listen, he now writes to beloved. He now writes to believers in the church. You also are living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you, if you take and look at that verse and, and you consider it for some time, it's a great verse to just put in your heart and to meditate on. What Peter is writing is the Spirit of God so stirred him to pen these words 2,000 years ago. He's writing to believers such as you and I. And he says, every one of us, we're living stones. We have a purpose in being here. <laughs> I won't ask you to raise your hands, but if I did, I bet you'd all raise your hand. Do you believe the Lord's led you here? Do you believe the Lord's set your heart in hope? It's a picture of living stones that God puts together. In, in Corinthians and in Romans, Paul speaks about the gifting, and it's for the sake of time not to go there now, but it's such a beautiful picture of the body of Christ being whole. And I remember preachers always saying, well, an arm doesn't function over by itself, and a foot's not over here. We've all heard those good examples, and it's a picture of the living stones. So if but Christ has called you to himself, you are that. But those stones should be knit together because we are being built into a holy household in which the Spirit of God lives and thrives and moves forward to. And so how important it is that we understand this beautiful picture of living stones being built up into a spiritual house. Well, the next uh, slide seven, Peter, if we could do that. Um, oh, it's up here. This, uh, the next point, uh, point B, is to identify the local pastor and elders' responsibility. The very first point in this is church membership is important because it helps define the local pastor's and elders' responsibility. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as to those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. I trust we all know Hebrews and these accounts in chapter 11, that the men that God's called to be his under-shepherds, Christ's under-shepherds here, it's the elders, but also it's our deacons as well, that these men, in fact, not only those, but that all who teach will be held to a higher standard. One day, it's not a judgment unto salvation, certainly, but it's a judgment will stand before Christ himself. Pastor Ed will stand before Jesus Christ. Uh, Elder Britt, Brett will stand before him. Phil will stand before him. Chris, our, our deacons will stand before him. I will stand before him. We'll all stand before him. But those who would teach what the word says would be held to a higher standard. So it's very important that this pastor and elders understand who are his sheep. Whom will a pastor and elders give account for except the members of their own church? The pastor and elders are not responsible for all the Christians in the world, only for those under their care. Likewise, they are not responsible for all people in their community, only for believers under their leadership, their church members. Membership in a local church is a way of voluntarily placing oneself under the spiritual authority of a pastor and an elder. I hope this resonates with all of us. Church membership is something to be taken very seriously. It's not a flippant thing. I'm afraid I've been in evangelical churches that at the end of the altar call, they just come up and say, we'll make you a member today. 
that's not the case here. We need to, to consider membership as being very precious. And I think it goes back to maybe the points I made a little bit earlier. It needs to go back to having a sense of not only, um, if I can say this correctly, affection in the Lord, but trust. Uh, it goes back to a sense of having seeing in our under-shepherds of Christ men that we can come under. See, I, I love that. I've always told men, we've met together since we've been at Hope up here. We've had men meet in Bella Vista early mornings and other times. And it's the truth is that, is the Lord really impressed on my heart that can tend to go away, can tend to go stray, is how important it is that I be around godly men. And I need to be around them. I love their fellowship. But I want my life to be lived out before my brothers. I want them to see my life. I want them to be able to say, Joe, <laughs> are you comfortable before the Lord in, in what you're, how you're living? I do. And what I love about a good pastor and wonderful elders is I want to come into those men. And I want them to have certainly my acknowledgement to say, speak to me if you see my life not walking in accordance with, with Christ. But if we're not part of the body, then that's, it, it's like sheep that come in and out of the herd. Sheep come into the flock. It's why it's so important to be a member of the church and say again, my heart in this and coming to be a member is to come and say, I recognize in this church a church that brings glory to Jesus Christ above all things. I recognize this church, a church that's faithful to the word of God. And in this church, I recognize men that God's graced up to his glory, this great sea of humanity. It's a sea of humanity. And God calls his own from in that great sea of humanity to come and serve him. And I want to be able to say, that's why I'm here. And I want to sit shoulder to shoulder with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to come and work in the yard. Not really, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> and the things I want to do, we've got, I think, and I'm getting a little carried away here, but it's the truth about how precious what I found in hope, and I think it's in churches. I've been blessed. I know Tina, my wife, has been blessed to be in really good churches. But some most precious times have been over coffee. And I used to, I like biscuits in the morning. And they'd be times just sharing life with my brothers. They'd be times of being in the Word. I love our small groups. Uh, we have men that come and they are gifted to teach. There's a number of them. And we're always blessed. And that's part of the body. And so that's what, you know, if any of you, you know, the truth is, I want to encourage anyone that's here and just not knowing whether what church membership looks like and uh, what it looks like at Hope for sure, but I pray you're encouraged by that. Well, I need to, to move along here. So church membership is a way of identifying oneself with a local body of believers and of making oneself accountable to prop, proper spiritual leadership. Church membership is a statement of unity and like-mindedness. It is a picture of that I used to say, and I hope I can say this right, and I hope y'all take this right. I said the word of God commands us, it's an imperative, that we are to love one another. We don't always have to like one another, but we are to love one another. And you know, it's that picture of iron sharpening iron, and that's a, we can picture what that's like. And so what I have found um, to God's glory in, in working in, this wretched man that he, by God's his grace, he still is, is that as I come along, and maybe for me it's guys, you ladies are always nice, but, but guys could be something about them, but the more I'm around them, I see the love of Christ in them. And so whatever I seem to be grimacing about, it goes away. And you see, it's because I see Christ in you. I hear the testimony of your life. I, I see it worked out, and it takes time. You cannot come and do this over a month or two. 
it takes time to live with one another. So I think this picture of, of church membership is certainly a statement of unity and like-mindedness. And again, I go back to that illustration in First Peter. It's those living stones coming and saying, can I, can I be part of this household of God, this spiritual household, and be next to you? I'm, I got big lumps on me, but you'll be good and help me fit in. The last point is church membership is also valuable, obviously, for organizational purposes. It's a good way of determining who's allowed to vote on important church decision and who's eligible for official church positions. Um, you know, we're going to have a business meeting here next uh, Saturday. I hope everyone will come, whether they're a church member or not. It's a wonderful thing to come. It's part of this discovering the heart of hope to come to a business meeting. And there's finances discussed. I like that. I like to see people accountable. I like to see what they're doing, how faithful they are in stewarding God's uh, proceed, uh, what he's blessed this church with. And so uh, it's a wonderful thing to come and to watch that. Um, so church membership uh, is not required of Christians. It's simply a way, I'm repeating this, of saying, I'm a Christian. I believe this church is a solid Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church, which I desire to become a part of in glorifying the Lord and bringing the gospel to the community. Well, I think I, I want to just leave a few minutes for questions, but I think we can get through the next uh, slide as well. Um, what does church membership look like at Hope? And these are just some points, uh, could probably go on um, much longer than this, but let me just walk through these. Uh, church membership at Hope, because you see, we first of all, we love the Word of God, and we want to live our lives in pattern with the, love, with the Word of God. We're blessed once again to have leaders in the church who want to teach us the Word of God, uh, disciple us in the Word of God. So these are what it looks like here. So number one, assemble together. Hebrews 10, 25. I'm going to read these quickly. So many are familiar. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, as all the more you see the day drawing near. Is the day drawing near? <laughs> I think we heard a great message this morning, and, and we see this world, and we don't question that the day is drawing near. Uh, the second thing is that... Uh, a picture of this is defend the gospel. Uh, we love the gospel that we have in Christ, and we love to boast in our Savior. The next is to identify your church membership. It's an interesting point. It's to be hospitable. First Peter 4, 9 is to be hospitable to one another without complaint. What that means is kind of what I was saying about coming to know my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I want to be able to have a sense, and I want, I want you to have a sense of me. I want to have a sense of what my brothers and sisters are like. So this thing of hospitableness, it is to get together for coffee and biscuits. <laughs> it's to get together to study the word. We've got a new thing going in Bella Vista, and any guys welcome to join, and I haven't made the last few, but we're doing it on Tuesday mornings, and you know what we're doing? We're just walking through the, the proverb for the day. So this Tuesday, we're going to be studying proverb 10, right, Justin? <laughs> Justin's good. He keeps track of all that. That's what we do just so we want to know one another. I just want to know. I want to know what's going on in your life, how work's going, how the kids are going, how the grandchildren are going, how's life being lived out. Are you loving the Lord Jesus more today than you did yesterday? I think that's the most important thing. The next one, of course, is to, is to love one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, 1 John 4, 7. We're to serve one another, all these things we know. Disciple one another, how important, again, the things which you, Paul, writing to his precious son in the Lord, Timothy says, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. How important this discipleship is. And we know this. We know Matthew 28. 
We know this is the call that Christ gave to us. The thing is, will we purpose as church members to come and endeavor to do that? Let's get a group together and let's just do this. Encourage one another in the word. Submit to your elders, evangelize the lost. I'm going to squeeze here a little bit and try to go to slide the next one. What does hope, why does hope exist and what is unique about it? The points again, and I apologize for going through these quickly, but we'll, we'll make it. The first thing why hope exists is to exalt God. We don't want anything more in, in Hope Community Bible Church but to bring glory to our, our triune God. We want to be faithful to him. I think about for me, I want to honor the Lord Jesus, and for me it's always, I will never, ever, by your grace, Lord, be ashamed of the name of Jesus Christ. I will endeavor in my life, in conversations, we work conversations, we want to bring, if we recognize someone that's apart from Christ, away from the word of God, we want to love them, and the greatest love we can show to them, they're our neighbor, is to bring the gospel to them. There's no greater thing we could ever do to them than to share the gospel with them. And in that sharing, however, and I can stumble and bumble, and I don't know how to work my way into kingdom discussion, but I want to speak that name because it is the name. It is the name above every other name, and we know that. When we speak to people, we can say, well, I love the Lord, and that's good. I love God, and that's good. But everyone in this world today, they have their own God, small g-o-d, and they have their own Lord, small l-o-r-d. But there is only one Jesus. So it is a key in this thing of what does this membership uh, look like again? It is that we exalt God. Romans 11:36 so familiar for of him and through him and to him are all things. Oh, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Oh, whenever life, this earthly life comes to an end and you think through what's this life look like? Oh, may our life understanding that we brought nothing of merit to it, but as a picture of what Christ in his mercy and grace has worked into us. May our lives be those that are pleasing to God. You know that thing in 2 Peter, I shared, Pastor, a month or so ago, how 2 Peter, verse 314, about be without fault and blameless, and it has shaken me to this day. But that's what we want at hope. We want to live our lives without fault and blameless before God that we might bring glory and honor to him about to, to all those around us. Quickly, the next point is to edify and build up the saints for the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4.12, so familiar, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. How we love that, and that's what hope's about. We are blessed. I'm boasting in this young man over here because of what God's done in his heart. You see, he's a new creation in Christ uh, that God brings. And he's, uh, God has set in him uh, works that he is to be about. When he stands up here and preaches, do you know that the Lord's foreordained that? He's foreordained how this man walks. The thing is, that, to God's glory again, is he walks faithfully to that. May we all do that. We're all the same. We're all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's foreordained that we might walk in them. Lord, give me an understanding of what that path looks like, that I may be faithful to that. Well, the last point here, and, and then wrap up, and, uh, is obviously to evangelize our community and the world. Acts 1.8, these are the words of Jesus Christ as he was about to ascend. He says, but you, speaking to this, if I can say this right, one day I'll be before you this ragtag bunch of men that he's called to himself his apostles, his disciples. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you 
and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and listen, and to the ends of the earth, to the ends of the very earth. And we're here, I believe, I trust you do, because the Spirit of God has led us. He's known, has God not known, he's known about this body of believers that's been here 45 years. He's known before the foundation of the world that this little body of believers would be here. And he's called us to be this part of it. And so he's called us to, in this place, to bring the gospel to all the world. And that may not reach be any further than across the street or up and down 13th Street. I don't know. But it's what we're to be about. And you see, when we're a church and we're functioning like that, when we're knit together and our gifts are knit together, and the things I can't even come close to doing that you may be able to do, and vice versa, when, when a church is knit together, I believe we are bold in this proclamation. I believe we have new zeal in our hearts to proclaim this gospel. I'm going to close with this thing. It's actually a, it's a quote from C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis is C.S. Lewis, but he's got some great quotes, and I love this. The church exists for nothing else but to draw people to Christ. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, the clergy, missions, sermons, and even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time because God bec became human for no other purpose. I'm going to say that again. The church exists for nothing else but to draw people to Christ. That's it. We're to live our lives to bring glory to our Redeemer. And in so doing, people will be drawn to us, not because of me, but because of the joy that I have in Him. So that's, um, I think, I just made it. So Pastor will leave a few little tidbits for, for next time. But I, I just, uh, you know, I'm real quickly here where it is 12, and I don't know if anybody's got a question. I had this all planned. I'd have five minutes. <laughs> but I don't know, or, or something, you know, half of you can certainly ask me later or ask Pastor Ed or something. I just want us to, I'm sorry, yes, Karen. I think primarily the New American Standard, the 90-95 is, yeah. But I got an old New King James, <laughs> and nobody nobody frowns at me. Yeah, that's that's a awesome Bible, so good good question. Well, if there's nothing else, then, then we'll close. By God's grace, uh, we'll pick this up next Sunday, second hour, and... It's going to really be fun as we go through this. Uh, in the beginning, you see we're going to get into doctrines, but right away we're going to talk about what, the, what is the history of hope. And uh, Chris and Sarah have been so good to really give us some background for that, and for Pastor Ed, obviously, so I encourage everyone to be here. But it, just as I, and I want to close in prayer, uh, ask all of us just to come before the Lord in these days ahead and just inquire of him ask for wisdom from above in what God would have of us here to love one another it can be that what he would have of us to knit hearts together one another uh, what he would have us be about this church of the living God is living it has life it's not an organization it's dynamic because we are serving the living God with the living word. All these things are living. There's life in this church. And so ask the Lord, let me know, Father, where to knit in what you've done in me. By your grace, for your glory alone, you've gifted an old wretch like me. Let me know how I might serve you in life. Well, let me close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we've journeying quickly, Lord, through this account that comes from your precious word. 
it comes through your Holy Spirit taking from that word, Lord, and bringing understanding of you that, Lord, as, as we love in this church so much, we go back to those, those words that Christ that's recorded in John 17, 3, because, Father, we want to know you, and we want to know the one that you sent, the Lord Jesus Christ, above everything in our life. So, Father, as we've journeyed through really quickly this picture of this amazing work in your church today, may that have been so accomplished in our hearts that we may gain a sense of your heart as you reach out to us that we might be stewards of your grace of your mercy in this time that the things that we individually and the things that we as members of Hope Community Bible Church might bring about to bring glory and honor to yourself and I pray all these things in Jesus precious name Amen Thank you for staying